Hey, I'm Daddy, and this is Daddy as Fuck, a throw-it-all-at-me discussion about poly, kink, DDLG, and BDSM, with an emphasis on power exchange through the eyes of a soft DDLG dynamic. You'll hear stories, opinions, and perspectives as we journey through an alternative way of life, what has worked, what hasn't, and thoughts about how to manage choices on a path less taken. So thanks for joining us today, and let's get going down the bunny hole. Hey, it's Daddy, and welcome back to Daddy as Fuck. I'm here with Baby Girl. Hi. And we are returning for Season 2, Episode 8, Navigating FetLife Part 2. We had so much to say last time. The the watch caught us by surprise, and we said, oh boy, unless we're going to do a two-hour podcast, we need to split this into two, didn't we, sweetheart? Mm-hmm. So here we are, and back to talk about getting out and meeting people, and it's fitting, because things are starting to open up socially. You're seeing more concerts being advertised, more outdoor get-togethers are starting to pop up, and people are starting to come together. Again, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So it's a good time. For us to talk about navigating fat life when it comes to getting out into community and i think when we got our letter from our listener the focus was also on how to meet my people and how do i know when i'm meeting my people and um, how to be safe and be able to tell if someone is genuine or not so let's get into it so I guess when it comes to navigating fet life as far as finding community, you need to find your local scene. And that really is going to mean using fet life um, to find events. And we touched a lot on how to create a profile and how to maybe take a, a couple of different perspectives on how to look at profiles in the last episodes and maybe how to write your own and what kind of messaging and contact you're going to receive or may, may experience on FetLife, but we didn't talk too much on how to use FetLife to find things to do. And although it's not a very intuitive interface, there is a handy little button called events on FetLife and you can search geographical areas for things that you might like to do. And the most common event on FetLife, I think most people would agree, are munches. And munches are, for those who don't know, it's nothing more than a gathering of people in a vanilla setting. Usually it's a bar or a restaurant, um, and you're encouraged to come in street clothes, and there's a couple of points of contact. So when you say that you're going to a munch, uh, you say that you're going, or you're maybe going, or you're not going, and you go anyway. <laughs> And you show up and they'll tell you, hey, we'll be in the back room. Just ask for the social group and, you know, you'll show up and you can ask for the, the name that was given on the, uh, the group event listing to ask for. And they will introduce themselves and introduce you to a few of the people that they know. And then you can kind of go from there and mingle in the way that you're most comfortable. I've been to munches before where I just kind of hang back and watch the group. And I've been to munches before where I just kind of surf the different conversations and see if it's anything of interest and break in and if I have anything to add. And I've been to munches before where I see tons of people that I know and I just can't, um, can't move from conversation to conversation fast enough because there's so many people I want to catch up with. And, 
And that takes time. You know, when I first got back into the scene, and this is aimed at people who are, who are new to navigating events at FetLife. So when I first got back into the scene, I was pretty much new. I was afraid that I wouldn't know anybody uh, after two years at any of the munches. And I went to a couple of munches, and, and that's, that, that was the case. I really didn't, didn't know anyone. But, you know, after hanging out, having a drink, and observing the conversations for a while, I ended up talking to a few nice people who introduced me to some other nice people, and then some people that I did know showed up. So, you know, community comes and goes. It ebbs and flows. And I guess the first step to take in finding community is to hit that events button and see if there's anything in your area that interests you. The most common events are, like I said, munches, which are social gatherings at vanilla events. Sometimes there'll be picnics in parks. Sometimes there'll be specialty events like um, a, a whip practice or a rope group, things that might be specialized around different types of kinks or needle play groups. And um, that, you know, things get even a little bit more um, advanced than that. There'll be, you know, see, you see, <laughs> you see quite often the. The uh, Saturday afternoon gangbang at the Ramada Inn, you know, <laughs> you see all different kinds of events listed on FetLife. People are using it for all different reasons and purposes, but most commonly it's munches or specialized uh, rope groups or, um, you know, other types of groups that are centered around kinks. Conventions are a big one. Um, there'll be weekend-long conven conventions either centered around rope or exploring all different kinds of kink or DS. And there'll be groups like discussion groups. Uh, I feel like discussion groups are a very common element as far as events are concerned on FetLife where you can find a discussion group centered around poly kink. You can find discussion groups centered around uh, DS, could be a DDLG, um, could be a master-slave discussion group. There could be a leather, leather community events. And when you find an event you like, you just click that you're going and you can start to interact with some of the people that might be on the guest list. Um, did you have anything to add about going to events on, uh, seeking out events on FetLife, sweetheart? Um, no, I, I think just, you know, try it and, and check them out. I think, um, I guess, you know, from a safety perspective, um, I would, you know, be perhaps a little wary of events that are uh, in private locations until, mm, unless you know people, you know, other people who are going or until you kind of like establish people that you feel safe with in the community. But um, a lot of these events are in public locations. And I think that that, um, that really, you know, for me, at least when I was going, that made me feel safe. I went to a couple of munches and they were both at different bars and um you know the way it worked was <laughs> they were usually under like um some sort of some sort of name that you know doesn't indicate that we're all into bdsm and they would uh when you got there they would give everyone like a sticker like to identify yourself with and so then you would know that all the people wearing that sticker in that kind of corner of the bar were part of our group and you could feel free to approach them and say things like um so how long have you been in the FET community, right? Like, I, I think one of the things that's really great about a munch and that makes it easier to navigate than um, a random social setting is you are all starting from a common place, right? You all know that you share an interest in BDSM and that you are in the FET community together. And so that gives you a really natural conversation point, right? You can always go up to someone and be like, so 
you know, are you on the dominant side or the submissive side? Or how do you identify? Or how long have you been in the community? And what was your journey like, right? Like there's just some, um, I think some very easy common ground conversation starters there. So I, I always had a nice time at the at the munches that I went to. Yeah, and you know, I've, I, I, I agree with what you say about making sure it's in a public setting. I mean, that's pretty key. Um, you know, part of going to events blind is keeping yourself safe. So if if you can go to events blind and they're in a public space, I think you're pretty much going to be just like going out to a bar or a restaurant on your own and meeting people in the vanilla sense. And I think that's the aim of munches is to keep it vanilla. And a lot of them will even say, hey, this it's not appropriate to engage in these activities. This isn't a this isn't a time to come and hit on people, you know. I think depending upon the munch, each munch might have its own little separate rules based on the organizer and the things that they've encountered in the past and the kind of environment that they want to encourage at their events because, you know, they're they're responsible for making sure that this groups go well. And, you know, you're going to get asshats in person. Um, less so because I think most good events are going to be moderated for that behavior, but um, the munch that we met at was uh, was in a bar in a North Shore a com- community north of Boston, and it was a very popular bar in a in a very um, active town. And we had a nice side room, but very often what would happen is uh, you know you have you have a gathering of men and women who are standing around drinking and socializing, right? So occasionally some of the people who frequent the bar will wander into that group setting and be like, hey, look at all those people standing around talking and there's some very, you know, there's some very good looking opportunities in there as far as guys and girls hanging out, being social. This is like, I don't know, I just swagger on in there and kind of mingle myself. And and so we, we've had that happen and you can, you can kind of tell um, and, and word spreads quickly at some of the events. It's like, hey, did you see the guy or did you see the person wearing such and such talking to so and so? You know, I think they kind of wandered in. So <laughs> that will happen. So you have to be aware that when you're at munches in a public setting, not everybody there might be there for the munch, <laughs> which is what Baby Girl says about the stickers. One of the last munches I went to, the organizers got really creative and they were handing out social club buttons. So everybody there had a social club button and it was a way to kind of say, hey, I'm here for this thing. <laughs> we... Yeah, I will say that um, <laughs> at the munches that I've been to, they do tend to hand out like, you know, it could be as simple as like a little red circle, like a little sticker, you know, or, you know, a little button of some sort, or maybe they're all, I don't know, Hello Kitty themed stickers or whatever, you know, but some sort of some sort of sticker that identifies you. It tends not to be a name tag, um, and and yeah. I I asked about that, and I was told by some of the munch organizers that they have had some bad experiences um, of you know people kind of being stocky based on like if you write your screen name your FET screen name on a name tag, I don't know they'd had some some issues with with stocky behavior and so they were um were not using name tags anymore you just had to go up and kind of say what's your handle on FET like who are you on FET so that you could identify whether it was someone you were connected to or had interacted with or or something like that yeah and I think standard protocol for these is like if you know you're going to a munch and um you know, for example, I used to go to a munch at a Fuddruckers and you'd go, you'd order your food. They, you know, they, they would be pretty clear. It's like, come on in, order what you want and then join us in the side dining room. You know, if you need to ask for the social group, ask for the, you know, the hug social group. And, um, 
you'd go sit sit <clears throat> sit down with a group of people at a table and just start talking and uh, you know it's it's not really common for people to sit down and say um, you know so hey are you a dom or a sub or hey uh, what's your hand what's your screen name on FET I mean just any any more so than a normal setting would you sit down to somebody you just met and say like so you was, are you straight or are you bi you know that's not really an opener when you meet somebody uh. <laughs> I don't know I felt like at the at the munches that I was at it was like that but they was weren't it? but they weren't food munches they were bars um, and it was like evening and so maybe it was just a different vibe like maybe it wasn't so. like around a meal but I felt like it was very much you know it was all just kind of drinks and um and it was very much like people would go up and be like hey so like you know so who are you on fed and like kind of like how long have you been in the scene and like i don't interesting know. I, that was the conversations that that i was seeing maybe it's a, i don't want to sound normative heteronormative anyway but maybe it was a guy girl thing i don't know maybe i felt the need to be super super cautious about that or maybe it was the people that i was in tune with in the community who um you know promoted a lot of cautious behavior and Try not to be too intrusive when you're in a munch and you look more like a predator than anything else. Maybe they ingrained in me some of those habits. Yeah, I don't know. I never I never worried about that. But then, like you said, maybe that's a male-female kind of uh, different points of view. Yeah, it could be. That's always I always seem to err on the side of being safe, and, and that's, that's a good thing. And I guess one word of advice that comes out of that is just kind of observe. Observe the behavior of others and, and, and kind of scope it out and and see what fits and what doesn't for the little micro community of the event that you're going to. Um, and, you know, like I said, you're going to get asshats in person, too. So that, that comes with the territory. And as, fine, as far as um, finding events on FetLife, when you find events on FetLife that, you know, there'll be usually there'll be an event listed and then you have to join a group. Um, so you'll get notifications about that event. Events kind of spring out of groups. Um, so basically, you create a group on FetLife, and then from there you can create events. So if you go click on an event to go to the event, you'll most likely need to join the group. And then you can see the instructions uh, that the, the hosts have about you know, what they would like people attending the event to do, like where to go, where to park, how to get vetted. If you need to be vetted, some events at semi-private locations or centered around particular kinks that might reveal people's, um, you know, um, interests or, you know, you have to get a little bit more personal and delve into personal information a little bit more depending upon the type of play that might be engaged in or information sharing might require vetting. Um, I've been to some discussion, very nice discussion groups, but they were held at private residences. So I had to get vetted uh, and my partner had to get vetted before we were allowed to go and attend that discussion group at that pe they, those um, individuals' houses. But as, once an event is listed, then you can click on a little button that says I'm going or I'm not going or I may be going. And what people do with that information is interesting, right? Um, because... Oh, I could speak from my perspective when I was new to fat life. First thing I would do is look at the list and see who's going, who's maybe going. Is there anyone I would be interested in socializing with? Um, is there anyone that I might be interested in connecting with and learning more about vis-a-vis? -vis, um, is there anyone that I might want to play with that's going to this munch? I mean, that's kind of how we connected in a way mm -hmm. um i saw that you were you had you had friend requested me and i saw that you were going and then i looked at your profile and i looked at your pictures and i said oh wow yeah um okay let's see if we can connect and we messaged and obviously as we covered last episode we had no idea who we were meeting when we met each other in person but we <laughs> did <laughs> 
Um, so when you say that you're going or maybe going to an event, your 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 FetLife handle and your thumbnail shows up under the going or maybe going tab on that event, and people can then click on your profile and read whatever you have put on your profile to kind of get an idea of who this person is that you've put yourself out to be in the world and kind of maybe think, hey, would I like to have a conversation with you when we get to the munch? Or sometimes they'll message you ahead of time. Sometimes people might plan to look for you at the event and introduce themselves and you'll you'll get that and in time eventually you will get that. Someone might come up to you and say, hey, are you so-and-so, I saw you on the maybe going list. And I've had some people say to me that that kind of seems a little creepy. Um, and I've, I've had some people that just kind of shrug their shoulders like, eh, you know. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. I mean, I, that's why we're here, you know. So, I mean, I feel like. That's why some people are here. Yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like, well, you're going to a month to meet people. So I feel like it would be very yeah. natural to look at the who's going, who's definitely going and who's maybe going. And, mm-hmm. and you know, then like, uh, yeah, I, I definitely at Munches had have, have had people come up to me and say like, oh, hey, I saw you on the list for this. I was really hoping I would get to meet you here. And I always mm-hmm. thought that was nice. I yeah. never like, I don't know. I didn't have any negative reactions to that. I guess it depends on the vibe you get from the person. And if mm-hmm. they feel like they're decent or if they feel like they're a predator, you're going to get the vibe accordingly, <laughs> right? Um, but I've definitely heard stories of, of people who have said, yeah, I've had to stop responding to events because every every time I do, so-and-so shows up and inevitably it turns into, you know, a, a drama. So people can see that you're going to events and if there's people that you don't want to see that you're going to events, then, you know, they're going to see that if you say that you're going or maybe going. Yeah, but you can also block people on FetLife. So I think if you... Mm-hmm. If you had a, a specific problem with a specific person, you could also make it so that they, I think you could make it so they couldn't see what you were doing. Yeah, that's a good point. So some good advice there from Baby Girl on the tools <laughs> available to you um, to navigate some of the social challenges that come with working your way through a community like this. Um, so in the next section, we're going to talk a little bit about the types of contact that you might experience in local scenes. Mm-hmm. The types of contact you may experience in local scenes. Okay, so when you're out in the local scene, going to events or groups or conventions, you might come into contact with people you know. Well, I think that's an easy one. If we can't navigate that, then uh, we may as well stay home. (laughs) What to do? That's a whole podcast. What to do when you meet somebody you know. You might meet people that you've seen before, but you don't know yet. You may have a common memory to talk about. Like, hey, I saw you at the rope group in Worcester, didn't I? And you had that hogtie demonstration done on you. Yeah. Hey, what was that like? I've never done that before. You may have a common memory to talk about, and that'd be great groundbreaker to talk to somebody about um, something in the scene that uh, you may have a have a common memory around and to start that conversation and get to know that person a little bit better because you've seen them around before and you don't know them. Um, I've, that actually happened to me quite a bit because as you go to events um, in, in your local community, you're going to see faces that look familiar over and over again. 
and you might most likely you will see other people interacting and someone you might catch something out of the corner in your eye and then you'll see them again and something catches out of the corner in your eye and you're like that person looks intriguing i'd really like to meet them someday so people you've seen before but don't know yet and might want to introduce yourself to you can use the common memory or experience to kind of break the ice um, there's also people who have seen that you're going and pursue you by introducing themselves to you often referencing your profile information to create a uh, you know a, a warm introduction and you've indicated that that's been a pleasant experience for you yeah totally fine I'm, yep. yep I'm totally comfortable with that with people coming up and being like oh yeah hey I saw your profile and I saw you were going to this event and I was hoping I'd get a chance to connect with you and so I I, I don't know I think that's great come on over and say hi Daddy is protective, hmm. so I'm going to go and look at the dark side. Um, people that look at your profile and they find little kernels, uh, you know, little bits of material to use to kind of come at you and create a warm contact. Like, you know, they use information from your profile to just break the ice, but might be a little bit aggressive. And my red flag goes up because I'm like, hey, you know, I get that you read my profile and I appreciate it, but I don't know you, so please don't assume that I want to do any of those things with you. And I think that's something where, you know, your own comfort and social environments is going to come into play. And, you know, like I, I said, again, this this could happen. This could happen in a vanilla bar. It doesn't necessarily have to be a FetLife thing. But when you're going into a setting, I mean, how often do you walk into a bar and the people that you meet in the bar have have like seen your profile on Facebook and they can like they know about you and like hey I saw that you went water skiing last weekend that looked awesome yeah okay but that would be creepy like I think that's my point I, that would be creepy but I think FetLife is totally different because I feel like FetLife is a common community that we're you know all a part of and looking for common ground and you go to a munch because you're interested in that community and you're interesting in interested in seeing people you know and maybe meeting new people and so I don't know I I I think that's that's really different yes if I was in a bar and someone came up and was like hey I saw your Facebook profile I would think that <laughs> I would think that was creepy draw the line there right yeah some people I've met people in the FetLife community who do feel like coming up coming at me with my profile information is kind of like whoa 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 who are you again you know that does come off as a little bit too aggressive for some of the people that I have I had in my friend circle before and, and I guess it's all individual right yeah and it depends on the tone right like I mean yeah. I think um you know if you just keep it keep it light and keep it social and you know just maybe mention one thing that you noticed about their their profile maybe just yeah maybe, maybe don't go into like hey I, here's the 47 things I memorized about your profile but you know maybe <laughs> just maybe just mention one thing I, I saw you're into x books by this author and I like books by that author too and you know see where it goes from there we're curious social creatures mm -hmm. and sometimes people do I'll go back on the in the neutral zone sometimes we get excited about making new friends mm -hmm. and new contacts and you know, FetLife is a unique community because we are all in the same community together and we are creating this little micro bubble. You know, we're turning a bar into our own little special gathering place or a restaurant, right? So, you know, we get the, we get the opportunity to go in a little bit forearmed about the people who we might be meeting. So don't be an asshat. Use the information wisely. Use, yeah. use it gracefully. Um, 
You also might run into people who message you if they see that you're going. And as far as like, um, you know, being, um, you know, heteronormative, you know, straight cis male, I've definitely looked at the list of people who, not to say that that's a heteronormative straight, heteronormative straight cis male trait. <laughs> I've looked at lists of people who are going when I was new to FetLife and I'd be like, hey, I wonder if I should message these three people to like see if they want to have a conversation because they seem kind of cool. I like what they wrote. So people may message you to, if you're, to see if you're going. Um, and if that's something that you allow in your profile, you can think, you know, they probably will message you. But it's also a red flag if you put in your profile, like, you know, I do not accept messages from people that I don't know. And I do not accept friend requests from people I don't know. Or I, I am owned by so-and-so or under the protection of so-and-so. So please contact them before contacting me. Um, you know, those are all things to be aware of before you actually message someone but people may message you regardless if they see that you're going to an event and be like hey i saw you're going to the you know worcester rope group and i was wondering if you've ever been there before and i saw that you like you know such and such a form of shibari so uh want to chat you know when we get there and one thing I've found in my experience uh doing that and i have done that and i've had that done to me, people message me, is that um, when you make plans to meet up with somebody at an event, you know, with the intention of like, hey, I like this person, based on their profile, I like this person, you got to think too, what if you don't click? You know, what if they're like, what if the click is only on one side? You know, so that's when things can kind of get a little bit awkward. So, that, and, and that's something where in the kink community, we're creating these little microcosm of interaction. So we have the benefit of these profiles. Um, so like I said, use them wisely because what I found anyway, not to say that my advice is the advice for everyone, messaging people before a munch is, robs me of the opportunity of, of taking the information that I saw in their profile and using it to observe them before I approach and create a full like kind of picture of this person in my head by watching them interact with their peer group and see if it really is the kind of person who I want to end up spending 20 minutes of the munch having a conversation with. More often than not, I'd end up at a munch and see people that I thought about contacting and was like, oh, wow, I didn't need, yeah, I, I totally am glad that I, I didn't uh, commit to having that conversation because I want to had I wanted to have conversations with a whole other group of people once I got there, you know. So, be careful how you use Fat Life and just be aware people may approach you um, if they see that you're going to an event, and that can be up to you as to whether or not. I mean, you might you might be, be you might welcome that. Attention. Yeah, I was always fine with it. I mean, like I would get messages from people who would say like, hey, you know, I saw you on the list and, you know, are you going to be there? A lot of times people would just reach out. They're double checking, right, to see if you're actually going to be there. And I and I might be like, yeah, like I do think I'm going to end up making it, you know, and mm -hmm. and like maybe I'll see you there. I, that never bothered me. Um, and I think that's what we did, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think by then I had learned that 
it's best to say, okay, oh, yeah, maybe I'll see you there and just kind of leave it up to the moment rather than create concrete plans to like right. have a conversation. To be like, yeah, like to be like, uh, okay, I'm going to meet you there and then we're going to spend the entire night talking, you know, like maybe maybe don't set those those high expectations. But just, that's what we did. That is what we did. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't know that's what we were doing. No, we do. ended up doing that because the chemistry, we met in person and found out that we had already met on FetLife and then ended up spending the whole night talking. But it's kind of like what I'm saying. You know, if you see a profile and you fall in love with someone's profile, just, you know, go get the full picture of the person and observe them in a social setting before you take that to the next level. Um Another uh, situation you might have is people who read your profile and then observe you at a munch before approaching. And in, in my estimation and experience, that's smart because it gives you a chance. It gives them a chance to maybe even ask around about you and see if you might have friends in common. You know, if I see someone at a munch that I that I'm interested in, um, like you, sweetheart, actually, <laughs> as you strode through the crowd, I was like, who's that little nugget? Um, I had 15 minutes to observe her going through the crowd and see who she knew and take guesses at who she might be there with and read the body language and the conversations before I decided that I was interested enough to approach you and figure out a way to get in the conversations that you were a part of and, and introduce myself. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, um, a pretty safe way, not safe as in like danger, danger, but safe as in like socially, um, way to, to meet people is you know, already know a little bit about them. You've seen their profile and now you've seen them in person and maybe you can even ask around about them like, hey, do you know Delilah362 over there? I was just curious. Um, and just kind of understand a little bit more about someone before you walk up to them mm -hmm. and see they may not be receptive to that sort of thing. Who knows? Um, another way you can meet people in, at, at munches and in groups and, is to be introduced to a friend or as a part of a conversation with friends. And that gives the chance for everyone to kind of consent to the conversation in a, a natural social setting. You know, I think I'd much prefer that. I'd much prefer that than having someone come up to me and say, hey, are you Charlie Baker? I saw your profile and I saw that you were coming. I, you know, I'd much, that, that to me kind of gets a little bit startling, like, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like I said. I never minded being approached by people, but um, but it's also because you know if you go to a munch and you go by yourself, like you don't want to be standing by yourself all night because yeah. you're there to meet people. So if someone comes up to talk to you, and then you don't have to be the one who's like breaking into a conversation where yeah. there's three or four people standing in a group, and you're like nervous on the edge of it, wondering if they're gonna mind if you try to butt into their conversation like yeah. i'm like thank goodness someone walked up to me and started a conversation hallelujah i will say um a good way to start if you are going to a munch and you don't know anyone else who's going to be there because you're new to the scene a good way to start is to ask to meet the organizers right yeah. when you um when you show up there's going to be like someone checking people in and you can be like hey like I just wanted to meet like the people who are organizing the munch and just say thank you to them for um, putting this event together. And when you meet them, if you tell them it's your first munch, like people I found at least were like so friendly and so like, oh my gosh, it's your first munch here. Oh, Let yeah. me introduce you to so-and-so. And, and people, um, you know, people are, are that I, I found were very 
eager to kind of take you under their wing and introduce you around to their friends and um so I, I think, you know, I, that's, I, that's something that is very nice about the, the FET community. And honestly, if they're, if they're not like that, then you probably don't really want them in your, in your group anyway. Yeah, and that's very true. And that kind of segues into, you know, the other way that you meet people is just randomly, you know, just by showing up. And baby girl, you're spot on there. I think that's some of the best ways to get break into circles at munches. And even if you go to a munch that you've been to before and you know the organizer, but you see no friendly faces there, I've spent the night just hanging out talking to the organizer and it's actually it was a good opportunity to really catch up because you know I hadn't really had the chance to spend that much time talking to them but uh, then from there the conversation would springboard out into meeting people that I hadn't met before and I've had times where I've gone to munches and I've said geez I haven't been to one of these in two years and I just wonder if any of my friends are still around and I've said that to complete strangers just by sitting on the edge of conversations and they've just taken me under their wing and been like so what well what, what groups did you used to hang out with who are the people that you used to know and that led to conversation that's the beautiful thing about fat life is that if you're if you um, are genuine and you're being authentic and taking the steps to be a, re- a member of the community and are acting with, you know, respectfully towards the community and its members, you're going to find some of the most welcoming and friendliest people you've ever met. Be- yep, Because I agree. that's what we are. We're very accepting of each other's. Like, don't kink shame me. We're very accepting of each other's stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, as long as you are respectful and accepting back, I think you're going to meet some of the most friendliest some of the friendliest and most accepting people you've ever met before. So events um, is a great way to get out there and find groups and munches and conventions to go to to meet people. So let's talk about a little bit more about uh, what our um, listener had written, about, written in about is how to tell if you're you know, meeting somebody and having a genuine interaction. So let's talk a little bit more about, about that. In the previous section, I mentioned a little bit about vetting and how if you want to go to a discussion group or um, a kink-based group, that activity kink activity-based group that's at, at a private residence or is going to take place at a venue where people want to have a little bit of discretion, you may need to be vetted by the organizer. Which What does vetting mean? Vetting means basically they want to check you out. They want to make sure you're cool. They want to make sure you'll fit in. They want to make sure that you're the type of person they, they want to have over to their blood play party and is not going to like freak out and call the cops. Um, so vetting is basically meeting up with somebody who runs the event to uh, have a, a question and answer session. So how long you been in the scene? Why are you curious about blood play? You know, have you done it before? And, you know, uh, what are the kinds of things you've been interested in in the past? You know, having a conversation so they can kind of get a feel for you before they invite you to their house to play with needles. Um, so vetting in person is something you will encounter. And it's also something that you will do. When you meet people on FetLife, um, you will need to, or you meet people at munches, and you, you're thinking like, oh, hey, you know, this person might make a nice play partner. You want to vet them, and it's a great way to get to, know, you want to vet them for yourself, and, and it's a great way to get to know someone, um, and unless you're confident in your judge of character, I would caution you to be careful as daddy. Daddy always cautions, right? I feel like I'm the voice of doom. <laughs> 
Unless you're confident in your own judge of character, be careful going off alone with anyone before you spend at least some time vetting them, especially if you're eager. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would say that um, a great way to vet a potential play partner is at a public event, right? Like if you have been messaging with someone and you think you might want to meet up with them one-on-one, you can first say, hey, how about we meet up at this munch, right? Like you can meet them at a public event and that gives you an opportunity to talk to them and get to know them and and kind of make sure that they are who they, you know, have been purporting to be in a, in a safe environment. You know, you can also do that um, at coffee shops or restaurants one-on-one, yeah. you know, but I would, I would definitely recommend um, either one way or the other doing that um, before you agree to go, you know, to someone's house or apartment or otherwise, you know, play or be alone with them. Um, I would say another great way to vet people um, is through those group events. Um, I found uh, a group event on, it was on submissive positions. So, you know, like various, various poses that you might be in uh, if you were a submissive who was serving a dominant. And um, and it was run by NEDS, which is the New England Dungeon Society. Shout out to them. They were a really great, really organized group. They were hosting an event. It was in a conference room at a hotel, very like, you know, vanilla location. They said wear, you know, vanilla clothing, but, you know, yoga pants, things you can move in. And they had um, a dominant and a yoga instructor who were Mm co-teaching a class on uh, different submissive positions and they were they were also giving great advice like hey if your sub has bad knees here are some alternative ways for them to get in and out of some of these positions without you know and um and I actually uh met someone there like there was someone who I had been talking to um, talking to online and was interested in in meeting but wanted to you know meet in a public place first and we agreed to meet at that event and what was what was kind of extra cool about that was it provided an opportunity to be in dynamic a little bit and to kind of play with the DS dynamic um, and and see how that felt uh, because at the event, like I said, it was in a conference room at a very vanilla hotel and everybody was in, you know, street clothes, but they had um, they had name tags and you didn't actually put your name on them, but they either said, the tags either said, I'm a dominant um, and I would like to tell you to do something or the name tag said, I'm a submissive and I would like you to ask me to do something. And so then they kind of had this like, deck of cards with all these different poses and it was like an icebreaker way to like go around and and talk to people and meet people and it was you know it was a little awkward at first but I have to say um it (laughs) ended up just everybody was really easygoing about it and willing and it just ended up being um being really fun yeah fun way to meet somebody that sounds like a really well-run event it was great yeah I've been to a few of those um little hotel conference room seminars and they're yeah i've i found them to be really really fun by the end of the event by the end of all kinds of events like that you end up walking out of there with five or six screen names to to, to you know to message and friend on fet life it's it's a really great way to meet people yeah um 
So another way to vet in person is, um, and this one goes to particularly if, if you are at a munch, and I spent quite a few um, months before I met you going, actually it was about a year, before I met you going to um, munches regularly, a couple times a month, and I would you know, interact with different groups of people. And I, I eventually, I ended up settling into this little group of submissive ladies. And we were all just, I just kind of sat with them and chatted. And we had the best time. It was like a little dom-sub discussion group that we had going on there. And we messaged, you know, between events, we messaged every once in a while about things that were going on between them and their partners and stuff. And it was just like, uh, it was just a lot of fun. And uh, one one time I was sitting there with the group, my the group of little you know, my little submissive ladies group <laughs> and we were sitting there talking and some some suave young well-dressed dominant looking kind of guy kind of slides into the chair next to one of the submissives that I was talking to and he just kind of looks at her and he starts in with the quasi lingo and he's like oh I see you have a collar you know you you like to be submissive and I'm like I just look around at the ladies and I just kind of let them have like I just kind of let them play with him and it was uh, we had a blast I mean there was no danger at that point but he was just so clueless and so disrespectful we I let like I said I let the girls have fun with him and then eventually he left I didn't have to say a word and they toyed with him like a cat with a mouse Sometimes when you're uh, out in an event and you want to do some vetting, watch the people that you might be interested in. Watch the people that might be interested in you or that you've had conversation with, uh, conversations with as they interact. Are they comfortable in the crowd? Do they look like they have that single-minded pickup artist focus? Are they really in the scene or are they trolling because it's a room full? They've heard... Oh, hey, all these submissive girls come to this bar every Thursday, uh, third Thursday of the month. It's a great place to pick up girls who'll do whatever you ask them to do because they're just dying to be submissive. You know, that stuff happens, at least at the munch that I met you at anyway. That's that's where that happened. That hmm. stuff happens. Individuals will come in. I'll refrain from saying guys, although it usually is. Individuals will usually come in and they will either troll the crowd for eager ladies willing to do whatever they ask them to or posing as a dom and they're easy they're easy to pick out if you observe them because they look a little bit clueless and they look like they can't fit into any of the conversations and they definitely look around the room like they have this radar and they're locking onto a target and then they usually act like a real um, asshat that doesn't know what the hell they're talking about when they do engage with their quote-unquote target but Lots of pickup artists definitely leverage the open sexuality of kinky people to get their foot in the door. But like I said, uh, and I've seen it in person, many can't keep up the act for long when pressed to reveal their kink identity, interests, or desires. They can't hold a conversation in the scene. So that's, that's a really good way to, to kind of vet someone in person too, is just to kind of watch them interact in the scene. Are they comfortable in the crowd? Do they look like they're actually part of the scene? Can they hold a conversation that has any substance, community-based substance to it? So, I don't know if you had, you've, doesn't sound like you've had any interactions of that ilk. No. Yeah, lucky um, you. No, I've not had anything like that. I, I think just, um, I don't know, I would just say be kind. And if you're, 
if you're a dom if you're a dom out there and you're new to the scene um i would say err err on the side of letting your it takes um it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable and so you know rather than kind of coming in with this like blustery dom Mm. persona which daddy was describing um Mm -hmm. which you know people it's hard to maintain and and people will see through it Mm -hmm. um have the strength to just say hey like i'm new i think i identify as dominant but i'm new to this scene and i'd love to learn and you know like hi you know just just try to try to tone it down you know try to just try to just interact it's okay to interact as yourself first and as a dominant later because yeah. I think something that's really important to remember and that um, it actually kind of takes time to, to learn mm-hmm. when you're getting into the scene is that like a DS relationship, it's not like you're a dom and I'm a sub so you and I automatically have a DS relationship, right? right. A DS right. relationship is consensual like anything else. Yeah. I'm not submissive to anybody else except for daddy i mean and whoa the person who thinks that i would be because yeah, right. baby girl can can evolve into a minx and get those claws out pretty quick and so, i would never disrespect anyone by expecting them to be submissive to me because it's the relationship style is that it's a dominant submissive power exchange relationship type of relationship that we have agreed upon we've created agreements around and we've adopted so you walk into a you don't just walk into a bar and it's a room full of dominance and submissives and you're going to grunt and grab one by the hair and drag her back to your cave and beat her with your belt you know that may be what happens but only after it's negotiated and you have established a partnership and determined that that's your thing right yeah <laughs> so um so maybe i don't know maybe if there's any new new doms to the scene listening you know maybe just try to keep that in mind maybe like maybe let that take some of the pressure off yeah. like you don't need to walk into a room and like exude this right dominant no one's looking for energy that. yeah you you really don't have to and it doesn't make you less of a dominant to just kind of come in and just be human and be like hey like i'm new here i'm just just want to learn just want to meet some people the most impressive in stature uh dominance i have ever known um, and the ones that have kind of taught me the way um, are the most socially submissive people I've ever met. They're just, hi, how are you? You know, you know, just so respectful. And you'd never know they were dominant until you create that agreement mm-hmm. to pursue a dominant exchange, dominant submissive exchange. And after you've negotiated, you know, what, that might look like then the dominance has like you said permission to exist the has you have permission to express your dominance and then from there on out it's a dance because it's a relationship style it's not a way of being it's not a ca- character type it's a relationship style you know so yes I th- i'm really glad you shouted that out to all the fledgling doms out there and same with the fledgling submissives you know just because you're a submissive as baby girl loves to say it does not mean you're a doormat and you don't have to go around submitting to every single asshat who comes up and grabs your hair at a munch because they're 
peacocking as a dominant and they think that that's the way dominants are and that doesn't that doesn't happen that i've seen by the way like i feel like if anyone ever grabbed someone's hair or made like an unwanted advance in a munch they would get kicked out quicker than you could even catch a breath i mean that yes like um and beaten (laughs) yes a munch is a place for vanilla behavior and Honestly, one of the things I love that's, about that's the BDSM community is the importance of consent. I think yes. that there is so much more attention and respect paid to consent in the BDSM world than there is in the vanilla world. Um, yeah, totally. So, because it's something that you you talk about and you negotiate and you make sure you're on the same page. So actually, yeah. I feel safer in the BDSM yeah, totally. community than I do in the vanilla world. And that said, is a highlight to exactly what I'm throwing up as red flags. And like, I'm the, I'm the harbinger of doom in this con- this episode, I guess, is that, you know, consent is, you know, definitely what drives all of the interactions in, in the scene. And it's really easy to see when somebody is not abiding by that. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. Are we are we talking about red flags now? I have a, um, lot, I have a lot of no, those. not not quite yet. Okay. No, because a couple <laughs> other things I wanted to cover, just some light social stuff. So some other tips, you know, for vetting. So if you are talking with somebody at a munch, or you've seen them a couple of times and you've talked with them before, and you'd like to get a little bit of better idea of maybe what kind of person they are and how they operate in the community, maybe take a break from talking to that person you just met and spend that time um, observing them. Well, you're having a conversation with somebody else, you know, maybe see what it, what they do when you're not talking to them. Who else do they know? Uh, you know, are they just standing by the bar waiting for you to come back to them? Uh, or, or are they like seamlessly moving through the crowd talking to other people? Now, they may be new. They, they may be their second or third munch, too. And, and I, I, you know, I want to be fair to people that are trying to connect out there. It doesn't mean just because you go away to the bathroom and come back and find them waiting for you. It doesn't doesn't mean they're a bad they're, they're a bad match. Run away. It just might mean that they don't know anybody else there and they're happy to have met you. But, you know, it's a good chance for you to kind of observe the situation, right? Be aware. Be aware of the type of situation you're getting into, um, the type of person that you're interacting with. And, you know, because if they flow seamlessly from conversation to conversation, well, you know, that's a good, a good opportunity to see how they act when they're socializing and get a better idea about the integrity that they have in their interactions is how they're presenting themselves to you align with the actions that they take when they're interacting with other people. Just another vetting tip. Um, another vetting tip for during conversations, if you meet somebody who you know, says that you know, they're in the scene as well, and this is, again, this is all daddy, because I've, 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 seen the pose, I've seen the posers, this is all daddy, just trying to keep you safe out there. If you're interacting with someone, do they have a profile? What kind of profile is it? Have you seen it? And are they willing to look at it with you? You know, that that really helps to understand if you're dealing with a whole person here or just a part of a person who's trying to get something from you. Um, Or it might just be that they're new and they don't have a profile yet and they can't look at it with you, but they want to look at yours and talk about it. And, you know, uh, again, opportunities to have an interaction with somebody and look for that integrity. Um, and I think that that does lead us to your favorite part. <laughs> red now flags. you can be the harbinger of doing <laughs> red flags and warning signs. Okay, red flags and warning signs. So um, yeah, I have some of these from my own journey that I'm happy to share. Um, I think one is if someone 
is genuinely in the kink scene, make sure you have lots of discussions with them about kinks and the type of kinks that you're interested in, the type of kinks that they're interested in. Um, that's something that you, you want to talk about that and get on the same page about that before you go to have a play date with them. Mm. That's really, um, really important. And I will say that like one of my former play partners who I just had the most respect for because the first time that I went over to his apartment, we didn't play. We spent like two and a half hours sitting on the couch, filling out a kink spreadsheet. That and was fun. it was like, yeah, and, and it's like, and you and I did it too. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, so there's, and you can probably find this, I bet you can find this on FET somewhere or online. Oh, Google it. Yeah, Google it. But there's this, it's like this spreadsheet of like, I don't know, 50 or 100 different kinks. And it's got, um, you can mark them as like things I have done, things I'm interested in doing, things I would never want to do, things I might want only to be forced to do. Uh, and then you can say, did you, did you, yeah, consensually forced. <laughs> Would you like it? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Mm -hmm. Is it, is this a kink that is like so integral to your kink identity yeah. that you absolutely can't live without it? I, you know, so it's just, and you talk through all these things and I tell you what, it is sexy as hell and so much fun and such a great way to get to know someone to yeah. talk through all of this stuff and you hear some of their stories and they hear some of your stories and it's it's hot it's sexy it's a great way to to build some chemistry and build some sexual tension and it's also mm -hmm. just a great way to be safe because then you know you know what's important to them you know where the limits are you guys have discussed red zones and and things that you're hard limits hard and soft limits, limits and and all these things so i think um like yeah making sure that you really talk about your kinks uh is that's really important so someone who doesn't want to do that that's a big red flag someone who or yeah. who who can't seem to articulate that very well or who just says i'm into whatever like that look out for that daddy's favorite quote from back when he was starting uh, just getting into his feet wet and swinging and, and it seems to have applied along my journey is if you can't talk about it you shouldn't be doing it yeah and I think also like you know if if you're you know just but again just because you're submissive does not mean that you are not allowed to have limits and boundaries right, right. so don't feel like because you're a submissive you need to be like I don't have any hard limits like that's ridiculous I'll if you, whatever you want. yeah like if you say that anyone who's experienced in the scene will see you yes. as a risk they will yeah. not want to play with you because people want to engage with and play with people who know their own limits right because you know then where it's safe to engage and where you guys can have good consensual fun activities and not you know not risk triggering things and 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 all of that so so mm -hmm. yeah so that's super important get aligned on your kinks um i guess uh in addition to that um we kind of talked about this earlier in this episode but just Anybody who tries to engage with you in a DS dynamic when you have not consented to a DS dynamic, that's mm. a big, big red flag. I can't tell you how many times I have had guys who are like, I want you to wear red underwear for me and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And I'm like, I haven't even met you, you know? I was so, going to say, I bet you hadn't even met them yet. Yeah. That was their first message, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so, so just, I mean, like, again, like, 
and and I think I think it's you know there's some people who are submissive out there who are new newer to the scene who think they have to put up with that shit and you don't. Right. In fact, you should not put up with that because submission is a gift and it is your choice who you give it to. And you can be you can be submissive and be strong. You can be both of those things. They are not mutually exclusive. You get to choose who who deserves your submission. And I was in a group conversation recently um, and I had a, there was a dom who brought up a great point giving some advice to someone who was asking it was their first time and they were having self-conscious issues of being self-conscious around expressing their dominance and and this dominant was was brilliant in his comment he said you know what you often hear submission is a gift dominance is a gift too and then I brought up the point um, it you know after he expressed that I brought up the point that DS power exchange is a relationship structure. It's a negotiated relationship structure where the two of you exchange these gifts to create the power flow that turns you both on and lights you up. So I know there's a lot, I've seen like the, the, the group of submissive ladies that I used to sit and have conversations with, I saw how eager they were, but I had already, they had already shared with me stories of how they had let that eagerness lead them into situations where they didn't realize being submissive meant they could also be strong and say, no, this yeah. is not what I want. They, they thought that in their very early days, they thought that just like what you're saying, well, if I'm submissive, it means I have to do whatever the dominant says, right? No, no, no. Yeah. And actually, eagerness is another red flag, but I would say for you to watch out for for yourself because, um, you know, if you are super excited about a person, right? And and you're you've been you've met them online, you've been, you know, chatting with them or messaging with them or whatever and you are like you're really excited about them. It can sometimes that can sometimes put up blinders and you might um you might ignore red flags or warning signs that you would otherwise see if you weren't quite so smitten. And so just be yeah. super careful if you're like and whether it's because that person is really, really physical attra physically attractive to you or maybe it's because they have some sort of like cachet in the community or something, you know, there's something about them like there's a, a power imbalance naturally that is really appealing to you. Just mm. just be super cautious um, when you find yourself getting getting eager. Don't um, don't let yourself put blinders on. Those are some of my big ones as far as red flags. Um, yeah, I would say in interacting with people too, um, if you're if you're getting into deep discussions with somebody about maybe things that they've done or they're saying that they've done X, they've done Y, if they can't articulate what a scene might look like or how they would go about architecting a scene or speaks in catchy generalities and really can't flesh out a thought or redirects the conversations, I mean, th those are all just general like things to be aware of and it was funny one of the what you brought up earlier sweetheart um you were saying something about um you know when when you when you're meeting somebody in person i'm like well the same thing applies on tinder right you go you were saying about oh you, there's also coffee shops and i'm like well the same thing applies with like tinder too <laughs> yeah yeah all those all those same common sense dating safety rules apply right. even even at a munch don't go to the bathroom and leave your drink unattended oh you right. know I, like I, same, even at a munch even though you're all part of the same community like yeah don't still still just you know make good decisions just be careful i mean it sucks that that's the world that we live in but it's true and and, and i i 
mm-hmm. what you said mm-hmm. about articulating a scene, that is actually a great filter, right? Like I have asked people when we are talking about potentially getting together, I've been like, so tell me, what would you envision if I were to come over? What yeah. would you like to happen? How might you see that unfold, right? Yeah. And like there was one guy who was like, well, you know, I think one thing that would be like really great way to get us into the DS dynamic would be like you could like you could like do some dishes and stuff. And I was like, oh, see right there. Yeah, no. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that kind of, kind of a submissive babe. I'm a, I'm a princess. I don't do your dishes. I, well, okay, I do daddy's You just dishes. did my dishes. What are you talking about? Well, I do daddy's dishes. Yeah, so that's well, that's because you're a baby girl, not a princess at that moment. That's, yeah, that's different. That was your way of thanking me, and because that was earned. I right. cooked for you, you cooked so you thanked me. me. It's you... not like, you show up in my apartment, you do my dishes, then you suck my cock. Right, exactly. <laughs> Wait, so... how, what am I getting? <laughs> yeah, so... Um... You get to suck my cock. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know what, though? I have known submissives who were, I think sometimes they call themselves like house slaves or house yes absolutely yes they love doing domestic chores they mm-hmm. get so turned on by it and that's yes. awesome for you so that's like Sir, a act of service yeah acts mm-hmm. of service if that's your if that is your kink like more power to you but like having someone articulate to you hey right. what what might it look like when i come over is a great way to see if you guys are on the same page kink wise yeah because you may have had all these discussions about like you know oh i love this i love rope i love impact i i i love um you know caning blah, 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 and all these great you know so you have like this whole list of what to do what you want to do but that person's idea of like how to get into the dynamic m- might raise like interests that you have no turn on value have no turn on value with you right and sometimes sometimes you might be like hey i'm willing to try that i there was another another play partner that i was with who was really into stockings and really liked me to do things with my stockinged feet and i'm not a foot Mm -hmm. person i'm not really into foot fetishes but i was like hey i'll give that a try and like Mm -hmm. hey like even if that doesn't really push my buttons i'm happy to do that for you like that's cool like it doesn't like turn me off so you know like sometimes someone might bring up something new and you might be like well maybe i want to give that a try sounds like kind of a softish limit and that you could find a little bit of active service kick in that to fuel your your uh, exploration yeah yeah cool i mean it doesn't always have to be like tit for tat sometimes it's just tit Um, you know, in hand in hand with that, somebody who says all the right things but has no personal experiences as a frame of reference. And yeah. We talked about this, actually. Yeah. Okay, I want to, like, say something here because we talked about this in the previous episode. And if you skipped the previous episode, it is worth mentioning here. Your friend group on FET is a great way to vet people. So mm-hmm. looking for like personal experiences, personal frames of reference. If you are messaging with someone, look and see if you have any connections in common. And if you do, reach out to that connection and be like, "Hey, what do you know about so and so?" and see, mm-hmm. you know, what they what they can tell you. That's a a great way to vet people. I have done that before. I have reached out to another woman that we were that this guy that I was talking to and I and I we were mutually friends with and she was like, "Yeah, I've actually played with him before he's very respectful super safe like have fun you know and like that was and that made me feel so much better about going over to his apartment which i still didn't do until after i'd met him in a public place Mm -hmm. but yeah um i think baby girl talk 
touched on this already red flags and warning signs I've witnessed in the scene and heard described in the scene is you know people coming up and asking asking pointed questions about you without showing proper common sense or discretion or respecting your respecting you um, you know people who come up and be like so are you what are you into are you are you into rope you know it's like well who first of all who the fuck are you uh, I don't even know your name and why are you ask you know okay bye Felicia you know I, I've been a part of those conversations and you know needless to say that those individuals didn't hang around very long because they were posing um, someone who tries to isolate you um, you know I'm not talking about the the whole room disappears when we're having our conversation and we just is isolate ourselves in a booth to talk the night away no mm -hmm. I'm talking about somebody like you're engaged in the munch. You're meeting this person casually, and they're like, um, "Yeah, hey, you want to uh, you want to get out of here?" Or you know, "Hey, you want to go do this?" Or "Hey, you want someone who's repeatedly trying to get you away from the group when you're not necessarily indicating that you desire to get away from the group, uh, or you know, you're feeling uncomfortable about it. You're feeling not ready for it." Just be careful because if someone establishes just enough rapport with you, I mean that's kind of common pickup artist uh, trick. Is there's like a, the common the, the way to the way to approach somebody is like you observe them in a group, you uh, you approach the group, you bring social value to the group. Maybe I bring shots to the table. Um, then you engage in that person in conversation and then you attempt to isolate them from the group and then you say hey you want to get out of here I mean that's that's the steps to pick up artistry right there is, is the, at least what I learned by reading several books and how to get you see a hot girl or hot individual in the bar whether it's a guy or girl or whatever and you're there they're in a group of friends and you want to isolate that person and leave with them those are the steps to do it. Isolate the person is like the last step. So if someone's trying to isolate you, just be aware of that. If it's not a natural, like if it hasn't naturally developed through your conversation, and you both feel like that's the way, way things led, then that person may have intentions that aren't in integrity with what your conversation has created. So just be aware of that. Um, and uh, baby girl, you probably want to talk about this one, huh? Before a play date with a new partner. Oh, right. Yeah, just a couple of tips. Um, and and I think this is you know probably similar similar to the type of stuff you would you would do in the vanilla dating world. But just yeah. you know, I would always make sure to get that person's cell phone number and then give it to my uh, a friend or a partner. And also, you know, make sure that a friend or a partner knows, you know, where you're going and who you're going with and when you expect to be back and, and just make sure somebody knows where you are and so that, you know, if you don't come home at the end of that date, they could pick up their phone and call this person's phone and be like, hey, where's, where's this person? You know, right. I, I think like, um, and, you know, I never had to to use that i always came home afterwards so that's good but um but it's just good to be safe and um 
honestly, I did not want to give out my cell phone number when I was dating. So um, a really easy alternative is you can get a Google phone number that's like yep. linked to your Gmail account. Mm-hmm. You can just give that out. People can leave voicemails they can on it. They text you they voicemails. Can, yeah, yep. and it just goes, Call your phone. goes yep. straight into your Gmail and, you know, you can um, you can manage it that way. That's a great way to get around giving out your, your phone, cell your phone, phone number. number yeah. Um, so, yeah, just just make sure that you um, that you follow, you know, kind of the all those common sense rules that apply to dating also apply in the FET community. I mean, I think what's what's great is that there tends to be so much more conversation and pre-negotiation and talk about boundaries and consent and things like that, that actually can make the BDSM world feel like a safer way to date totally. than yeah. the vanilla world. Um, There's it, awareness. I mean, just look at this yeah. podcast. You know, we're trying to educate people and give them our personal experiences. And when you go to munches, you'll talk to people and they will say these same things, a lot of the same things. Yeah. You know, because we are very much a community of safe, sane, consensual. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just, you know, just be careful. I mean, if you, you know, do find yourself in a bad situation, do whatever you got to do to, to, to get out of it, you know? And, and I, I will say that the, the, the worst situation that I found myself in, when I looked back on it, it was, there were red flags left and right, and I was ignoring them. Why? Because I just, I guess I had been, you know, seeing different, play partners and experimenting with different play partners Mm -hmm. and I just I just wanted to find the right one and I just I was so like well you when you met me I was like so eager I I felt like I just like you were very responsible when we met I just wanted to be well I now I had I had some bad experiences to 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 make me more cautious but um Mm -hmm. I don't know just you know I just it's like it's sometimes it's hard because you just like you identify as being submissive and it's like I just I just wanted to find that person to submit to like I wanted my next breath I said that on my profile and and um and because I thought maybe this guy might be it right like I was ignoring warning signs left and right I was ignoring the fact that you should not meet someone um at their apartment for the first time and we met at a restaurant but we met at a restaurant that was like a block away from his apartment you know be careful with that because you know what happens is then it's like okay well let's go to my apartment now you know and Mm -hmm. and like so you just and and you know we didn't talk about kinks at all we weren't aligned on kinks we got to his apartment and it was like pretty clear that there was actually like no interest in kink it was really just somebody who was just looking to score you know so like you just have to like posing yeah um so yeah so just make uh, make the investment up front do the diligence up front it's so worth it um it's so worth it on the back end it is it's worth it to protect yourself from those bad experiences but they they will happen and when they do just do whatever it takes to keep yourself safe if if they do let's say they they will happen they could happen so you know you can't we can't isolate ourselves um in, in a bubble and go through life keeping everyone at arm's length. We have to open ourselves up if we want to have, you know, rich experiences in life. But that comes with some risk. Even when we do follow all of the steps that we feel we should be following to keep ourselves safe, stuff's going to happen. So you do what you got to do and you learn from it. Um, one of the things that I have taken a habit of doing 
is um, I when I meet somebody uh, and have a new play partner, I had um, printed their entire FetLife profile and put it in a folder in my house. And the printout was because it's printing off the internet. It's dated and timestamped, and then sometimes I would have printed out our message history too. Because God forbid anything ever happened and that person had a vindictive side that I was not aware of and decided that their bruises would make a, a good reason to really bring a, a life of hell down upon me, even though it was consensual, I at least had something to show that it was consensual. You know, because unfortunately out there in the vanilla world and the medical community, yep, they know about BDSM and whatnot and, and, and they know about these practices, but you know, if somebody comes in and claims otherwise, uh, be, you know, for whatever reason, um, you, you have to protect yourself as well. So that was the step that I took to to protect myself when I, because you know, here I am, a you know, single guy meeting people who just who, whose kink it was to be beaten to the point that they were bruised and crying, and and then keep going. And um, it made me think, like, hmm, that's a very thin veil of protection there that pretty much doesn't afford me any if that person gets pissed at me and decides they want to make my life hell. So protect yourself as best you can. Yeah, um, I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, I feel like there's, you know, we focused a lot on red flags and warning signs um, to protect you from like a female perspective, but I think there's risk for guys as well. You know, Or even a dom-submissive perspective. Right, you know? right. So, yeah, so there's, there's risk on both sides. So, um, but... Mm -hmm. At, at risk of, I wouldn't want to end this on a um, on on a such a somber note. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like you know I just want to say that like get out there in the community, right? Because the two of us like we met on FET um, through a mutual friend, and then we met for the first time in person at a munch, at a munch yeah. right? And like so, like we, this is exactly how things played out for us and so um and here we are more than a year later now yeah and um and so it can it can work for you too so you get out there put yourself out there don't let the don't let the scary stuff uh you know prevent you from from throwing your hat in, in the ring and getting out there and meeting your people and forming some community yeah i agree and the more you talk about and think about the scary stuff the, the the more you you are equipped you know and can walk out with the tools you need to navigate with confidence and honestly i feel like thinking about threats creates opportunities to have safe experiences and gives you the confidence that you need to say okay i'm ready i know what to look for i got a few ideas on what to avoid and, situations might feel safe and not so now i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna see if i can have some experiences thanks for listening in to daddy as fuck season two episode eight navigating fet life part two um if you have any questions comments or suggestions you can email me at daddy underscore af at comcast.net mm -hmm.